Move by Mamma Mia is the exercise app for anybody, anywhere. And in case you missed it, we dropped a brand new stretching collection that can be used to improve mobility and bookend your favourite sweat sessions. Mamma Mia subscribers get unlimited access to Move and we drop new workouts every single week. If you're on the hunt for movement that makes you feel good, head to move.mamamia.com.au and use the code MOVE10 to get $10 off a yearly subscription. You're listening to a Mamma Mia podcast. From Mamma Mia, hi, I'm Claire Murphy. Welcome to The Quickie, getting you up to speed daily. Recently, parents around the country started to receive notifications that there was a new message for them in their MyGov account. When they opened it, some were shocked to find that they'd been overpaid childcare rebate and now have to pay it back. It was a really big shock to see that number on the screen. You immediately feel sick and anxious and worried and thinking that you've done something really wrong. I really don't see a way of being able to pay that back in the next three to five years. Some found that it wasn't just for the last financial year, but for two, or in some cases, up to three years of debt has been accumulating with a request for it to be paid next month. So what happened here? Why did so many people end up with a Centrelink debt when they thought they'd done the right thing? Today, we look at how the system works and why you have to shortchange yourself during the year in order to make sure you don't end up with a bill at the end of it. We recently put a call out asking for those who may have been affected by childcare debt overpayment bills that were recently sent out to many working families. To say the response was overwhelming is an understatement. Hundreds and hundreds of people came forward with their stories of bills starting from a few hundred dollars to several thousand to tens of thousands, all stemming from an algorithm that compares the amount of childcare rebate you are afforded during the year based on the income you projected to the income you finally got after submitting your tax return. Like Emma, who copped a bill right before she was due to go on maternity leave. I was pretty surprised. To be honest, I thought it was probably because of my upcoming parental leave because I was due to have my second one soon. So, yeah, no, I wasn't aware that it was because we had been overpaid. We were told that we owed approximately $2,000, which is quite substantial. And so we have now paid that back. In retrospect, I did understand the reason why we did owe the money and I was fine with that. But we did have a bit of trouble in paying it back. There were some issues with Centrelink accepting the money. We were paying it back in instalments, but there was some kind of administration error on their part, which meant that our childcare subsidy was reduced even more. So it resulted in quite a number of phone calls and long wait times on the phone to speak to someone to sort out the issue. So it was a bit frustrating, firstly, to have to owe money and then to have them also mess up the payment process. Alex's bill was much higher, over $15,000. She says for her, it's all become a bit too much to deal with. So at first it was a really big shock to see that number on the screen. You know, you immediately feel sick and anxious and, and worried and thinking that you've done something really wrong. And the next question that pops into your head is, well, how am I meant to pay this money back? It creates a lot of you know, anxiety, extra stress. Did you understand why you'd gotten the bill? Had you worked it out? 
Well, I understand the basic premise of how the calculations are done, but to be honest, I've actually just ignored it because it creates so much you know, anxiety to look into it further for me. We've had in place a payment plan as such where they deduct an amount from the childcare subsidy that we receive. So we're paying, I suppose, more week to week for childcare than we technically should be to pay that back. But no, I, I haven't actively looked into it because it's too much. The number's too big for me to be able to address at the moment, given everything else that's going on. You mentioned that it's a little bit too much to handle right now, but are you in a position to pay that money back at all? Absolutely not. No way. The bill that we got was for the financial year that my husband and I separated. So, you know, that adds another layer of complexity where trying to manage single parent income, costs for moving and separating essentially. I carry, you know, a bit of excess debt as well from separating. So, absolutely not. And to be honest, that's the last on the, the list of priorities to pay back in terms of debt. So I really don't see a way of being able to pay that back in the next, you know, three to five years. Now, with so many people coming forward with their stories, there are others who are worried that they too will be facing something similar for this financial year. Like Rachel, who wanted to make paying her tax each year easier, but has since realised it might have been the wrong move. With the 50% childcare subsidy, I was paying about $500 a week for them for daycare. And it was based on me estimating my income at, I think my threshold was about 180 something thousand, and me and my partner usually come in around that 170, so I always estimate up to that threshold, and then if we, we earn less, then I think, oh, that's a bonus. But I, I had an investment property over in New Zealand, which at the time I wasn't planning on selling, and it was just kind of spur of the moment. The pricing market over there was going really well, so I thought, hey, Let's sell it because it gets really confusing at tax time. I thought, let's sell it and then we'll bring the money that we make over here and buy an investment property in Australia just to make it all really easy. And I understand that I'd need to pay like a capital gains tax on that, which I understood. But at the time, I didn't realise it was going to increase my taxable yearly income, which then brings me over the threshold of receiving any childcare subsidy. So I crunched the numbers a little bit and I think... Centrelink are going to be looking for about $23,000, which I wasn't really expecting. These are just three of the stories from the many who reached out to us. As you scroll through the responses, you see over and over women like Ashley, who has an $1,800 bill, despite believing she'd overestimated their household income by $40,000. Amy, who says it couldn't have come at a worse time for most families. Olivia, who forgot to update her yearly income moving from casual to full-time work. Amanda, who got a bill despite none of her children being in care that financial year. Desiree, who was accidentally overpaid during maternity leave two years ago. Erin, who's received a $1,300 bill despite only starting her little one in care in January this year. Some say they've had the bills reviewed and they have had some success in having them reduced or reversed, but all say it took hours on the phone and weeks, months or even years to resolve. These bills aren't just for the last financial year. Some are reporting they're from the 2017-2018 financial year. The majority have multiple bills from the past three years combined to be repaid by September this year. So how does this happen? 
Each year when you have a child in care, you're asked to estimate to Centrelink how much you think you'll earn in the year ahead. The childcare rebate isn't like your tax bracket. You get paid a percentage based on your income. Now stay with me, this gets a little complicated. For example, if your combined income is $120,000, you receive a rebate of somewhere between 68 and 69%. Move up to $140,000 a year and that percentage changes to between 56 and 60%. Up it again to $170,000 and it drops to 51 to 52% and at $180,000, it's 50%. If you underestimate your yearly income, you have to pay back the percentage difference. If you overestimate your income, you get paid less childcare rebate during the year when you may need it, but may get some back as a lump sum in your tax return. Underestimating your income is quite easy to do, especially if your circumstances change during the year and you forget to tell Centrelink. If you work casually or as a freelancer or you get paid bonuses or commission, it makes it harder to estimate how much you'll earn during the year. For many, since the pandemic hit, they've been paid redundancies as their employers downsized to cope with lockdowns and restrictions. That lump sum has ended up with their yearly income being higher than usual. And it's not like these people got free money. Most of them never see a cent of it. It goes directly to the childcare provider. And with Australia, the fourth most expensive country in the world for childcare, over 30% of the average income going towards it, they were still forking out hundreds of dollars a week in childcare from their own pocket as well. There are some who are comparing this latest Centrelink debt recovery to the shocking robo-debt scheme. In 2016, the Australian government announced that they were changing how they recovered welfare overpayments, automating the system and issuing debt notices to anyone who the algorithm deemed had been overpaid, comparing their records with the Australian tax office. As the thousands of debt notices were sent out, many started to question whether they were even accurate. Those who received them suffered mental health impacts. Some took their own lives, the stress and anxiety of paying it back too much to handle. In May last year, the government announced they were scrapping the scheme and all 470,000 wrongly issued debts were repaid in full. It cost the government around $721 million, and that blew out to $1.2 billion after the government also settled a class action lawsuit with 400,000 victims receiving compensation. Guy Tiffany is a lawyer at Gordon Legal who worked on the RoboDebt case. Guy, can you see similarities with what's happening here with the childcare rebate debt recovery with RoboDebt? There are some similarities in the inputs into these debts and how they're calculated, but mostly I see similarities in the process that's used and the effect that has on people who receive these debts. But what we have seen with this government is a very strict approach to welfare. And what that seems to create is an eagerness to track down what it considers might be potential overpayments and in robo-debt and also in relation to other welfare payments. This seems to be leading to some debts that are wrong and raising incorrect debts against people has a big impact on them. And we saw that in robo-debt and that seems to be a feature of this issue as well. Should we question these bills? you think, just with how much went wrong during robo-debt, do you think it's worth everyone putting through a request to have it assessed? Yes, absolutely. Robo-debt was about a specific type of calculation, which was ultimately found to be invalid under the terms of the relevant laws. 
However, the experience of RoboDebt also showed that there are so many errors and flaws that can creep into the Centrelink debt assessment process that means that even debts calculated in different ways, not affected by the RoboDebt system, are liable to have errors and should absolutely be challenged. I think it's important that people who are receiving these payments and people who receive these debts understand that all these debts can be reviewed and Centrelink itself encourages people to review debts because they understand that there is a likelihood that these debts won't be completely accurate the first time around. So how do we avoid this in the future without making it harder for ourselves during the financial year? Hank Jongen is the General Manager of Services Australia, the department that delivers government payments and services, including the childcare rebate. Hank, why have some people been sent up to three years' worth of childcare debt at once? Over the course of the past 12 months, since 2019 in fact, the government has put in place a number of debt pauses in response to the pandemic and other natural disasters. And what that's meant is that we've not been raising these sorts of debts during that period in recognition that people are doing it tough and that people were facing financial difficulties and therefore we were deferring the raising of those debts and the release of those letters. But of course, they are debts and they are debts which we are required to recover. So it's for that reason that people are now receiving those debt notices which may go back a couple of years. Why now? The country's not doing overly well with the pandemic at this moment in time. A lot of the people who are receiving these letters are currently in lockdown. Some of them have no longer got a job. Some of them are still doing it very tough. Why now? If people are currently in lockdown, the government has announced an ongoing pause in relation to debt recovery and debt repayments. So if you're in lockdown right now and you receive a debt letter, then you can ignore it. In fact, what we're saying is do ignore it. In fact, we're trying to suppress the letters to make sure they don't go out. Now, if you've already received a debt letter and it goes back to that period and we've started recovery, then again, you can actually put a pause on your recovery or you can request a reduction in the amount that we're seeking to recover. Now, in terms of requesting a pause or a reduction, you can actually do it online. If you've got a Centrelink online account, then you go to a task button, you search for money you owe, and that enables you to manage your repayments And in fact, depending on your circumstances, you can also request a pause on the debt recovery. So we're very conscious of the fact that we don't want to add to people's financial burdens. But the reality is some of those letters now go back a couple of years. They are debts that are outstanding, but we can assist you in the management of your repayments. And if you're really concerned, give us a call on 136150 and we can explain the options and guide you through the processes. Hank, why is this system so complex? Why do we have to estimate at the start of the financial year? For many of us, myself included, it was quite difficult because there are people who get paid commissions, who work freelance, who have gotten bonus payments, their situations have changed and they've just forgotten to tell Centrelink. How is it that we can avoid getting a bill at the end of the year when there are so many variables in play? 
when people sign up to receive childcare subsidy, they have to agree to receive payments based on income estimates that we provide. Now, we're not actually asking people to guess. What we're asking people to do is to provide us with up-to-date information. And I have to say that these rules apply to most other payments that we make. And in fact, updating your income can be done as often as you like. And the process is very, very straightforward. You can do it at any time using your Centrelink online account or the Centrelink mobile app. And we encourage people to update their income whenever their income changes. It's really important for people to understand the more frequently you give us accurate information, the less likely you are to incur an overpayment. Now, there's another strategy as well. We put in place a standard withholding of 5%. What that means is that we withhold 5% of the money you're eligible for as a little bit of a buffer. But you can increase that if you choose to. You can increase it to 20% or a figure that suits you in order to create a bigger buffer, particularly if you're in this environment of variable earnings. But really, with variable earnings, what I'd suggest people do is update your income every fortnight. Hank, I know that Centrelink didn't create the system. The government created the system which you're now delivering. But Do you recognise that it is, for some people, an incredibly difficult thing to navigate? Me personally, I'm very tech savvy. I understand how the system works. And yet I was on the phone with Centrelink for two hours the other night to just get an explanation for one part of this. And for many people, two hours on the phone plus however long it takes to navigate through the system is really difficult. And on top of the fact that people have received sometimes $15,000, $20,000 bills that have them almost paralysed with fear, they're not going to reach out to Centrelink knowing how difficult that is to navigate, whilst they're also terrified of carrying this massive debt. We saw that with robo-debt. People were mentally, their mental health was affected by it. Do you see how the system is not geared up really for people to want to be in contact with it that frequently? It always disappoints me to hear stories like the one you've just outlined. Firstly, we are incredibly busy at the present time, as you can appreciate. You know, with COVID-19 disaster payments, we're facing unprecedented demand. But secondly, you mentioned robo-debt. We've learned a lot from robo-debt and we've put a lot of effort into training our specialist staff to try and ensure that we are much more transparent in relation and supportive where we can be to those people that have incurred debts. And it's for that reason that the 136150 number is the number that people should go to. These people are trained in relation to not only explaining why debts have occurred, but also are trained to ensure that we properly explain to people what their options are. And those options relate to repayment arrangements that suit you, debt pauses if you're experiencing financial difficulty. But the reality is that the payment is based on income estimates and the best way to avoid a debt is to ensure that you provide us with accurate information. 
Hank, just finally, I've spoken to quite a few people who say they just can't deal with this right now. They're going through enough as it is. This is the last thing that's on their priority list. What happens if we ignore this debt? Well, of course, the last thing that we want to do is to get people into a serious financial situation. So the first things we do, of course, is we make numerous attempts to contact you in order to negotiate with you to ensure we put in place either a financial repayment arrangements that suit you or put in place debt pauses to help you through financial difficulties and to help you if you're vulnerable. But ultimately, this money is a debt. And if you ignore it and ignore numerous attempts by us to contact you and enter into appropriate arrangements, then ultimately, as a last resort, it could be referred for legal recovery action. If you do have a bill and you want to dispute it, you can. The Services Australia website says you have 13 weeks from the date you're told about the decision to get it started. You can still apply for a review after 13 weeks, but if Services Australia changed the decision, you may only get your entitlement from the date you requested the review. You can do that by calling Services Australia or visiting a service centre. You can also fill out the explanation for a formal review of decision form, which you can find the link to in our show notes. You will have to provide some supporting documents via your MyGov or Centrelink mobile app. If you can't, you can send them via snail mail. You won't be charged for a formal review, which Centrelink says they'll aim to complete within 49 days, but some may take longer depending on the case. And remember, if you've received one of these bills and you're feeling like it's all too much, please reach out to someone and talk about it. The team at Lifeline are always standing by on 13 11 14. That's the quickie for today. This episode was produced by myself, Claire Murphy, and our executive producer, Siobhan Moran-McFarlane, with audio production by Ian Camilleri. Mamma Mia acknowledges the traditional owners of the land we have recorded this podcast on, the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation. We pay our respects to their elders, past and present, and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander cultures.